0: Good morning again. I'm grateful that you're here. Are you grateful to be here? I hope so. Um, I brought a bag with me this morning, as you can see. This time it is Bath and Body Works. All right. <laughs> I've got a few things in here that, um, that I'm going to show you, and they're all very much related very first one um, glasses you don't usually see me like this do you I, I can still see you um, not like great great because you're out there a little ways but I, I can see you okay these are my reading glasses I have I have two pair of reading glasses you probably didn't know that I don't use them nearly as often as I should But my brother in law is an optometrist. Alyssa works for him. And, um, he bought me, well, he didn't buy them. I bought them. (laughs) But he, he recommended these glasses. You need these, Nate. You need these glasses. I've got another pair. They're in my office right now. I have these at my house. I've got another pair in my, um, in my office. Just, you know, just for reading. And I actually saw some improvement in my vision. After I wore these for about two years. I'm going to put those back. Um, Got a few others here. And they all kind of have a story, it seems like. Because that's how I am. Um, These glasses here. I'm pretty sure. I'll know in a moment here. Oh, yeah. Okay, these are my wife's glasses. These belong to Kelsey. Uh, She So she actually had surgery on her eyes I don't know a few years ago um, again because <clears throat> my brother-in-law is an optometrist we were able to have a surgery and uh, corrected her vision and that has been wonderful so no more contacts no more glasses these are some of her glasses one of the pairs that she owned and I if I put these on I cannot see you because honestly my wife had terrible vision um we were, when we got married, she was just, our, our prayer was, Lord, may our children have Nathan's vision and not Kelsey's vision. <laughs> so far, God has answered that prayer. Um, these glasses, my daughter gave these to me to, to bring this morning. These are her sunglasses. Uh, Probably, hey, good. <laughs> Probably don't look as good on me as they do on her. Um, Okay, and then I've got these glasses here. These are these are vintage. These are from Kelsey's grandma. She's with the Lord now. Been with the Lord for a while. These are are truly like these go back to nineteen uh, sixties. You know, like this was a style back then. Okay, this isn't just a wannabe. This is like the real thing, all right? <laughs> these really um, are pretty cool and special, and I just have to make sure I take really good care of these because um, they, they do. They are in a spot in our house, which is with other vintage stuff. All right, there's some Coca-Cola bottles up there. Uh, come by our house sometime, and we'll have to show it to you. All right, then I've got... Um, let's go with these next. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. <laughs> this is our, our birthday glasses in our house. Um, if you've got a birthday, then you're going to wear these glasses, all right? So I've got my birthday glasses on. And I've got one more, one more pair I brought this morning. Um, it's, uh, we're getting close to... Uh, this is close to winter, right? Christmas is just around the the corner. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. So this is uh, my Christmas glasses. Some snowmen, at least. That's snowmen. They're not really Christmas, but uh, it still is winter-themed, you know? I was, I wanted, we used to have, you know, those really big, like the dorky pair, you know, like, like those. We used to have those, and I couldn't find them anywhere. I looked all over the place for them. Where'd those go? And I'm sure if I would have gone to the Dollar Tree, I'd probably find a pair there. Um, but it was, Dollar Tree was closed when I was looking last night, and I knew that, well, church starts before I can get to Dollar Tree, so I can't get there beforehand. I thought about even posting it on Facebook to Kingwood. Anyone have those giant glasses? I'm, actually, anyone have a pair by chance? Well, good thing I didn't ask you all, because they didn't have it. Okay, <laughs> well, this morning, um, my, my question for you is, is just simply perhaps rather obvious, and it's how's your vision? How is, how is your vision? How are you seen? With what perspective are you seeing? Um, are you seeing things from a strictly a human point of view, um, don't wear those, okay? I guess if you need to, go ahead. <laughs> are, you, are you seeing things strictly from a human point of view? We bring a human perspective to all of life. But we need to go beyond that human perspective. And we really need God's perspective. God, give me your perspective to see with your eyes what you have. Are you getting caught up in viewing everything around you from your own perspective? Whether that's COVID or whether that's the election taking place this Tuesday, do the best you can to view things through God's perspective. God, how are you seeing this all? How do you see this? This morning, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. This is where we're at. We're working through the book of 1 Samuel. Our theme is transitions. Transitions um, that took place in the book of 1 Samuel, but really transitions also that take place in our life. So 1 Samuel chapter 16 And we're going to look specifically this morning at verses 1 through 13. But if there's time, I will just reference the last part of 16 as well. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we're like we typically do. I just want to work through this together. And we're going to just take our time stopping along the way. So my subtitle, if yours is similar, it says this. Says Samuel anoints David. Samuel anoints David. So, First Samuel, verse sixteen, or chapter sixteen, verse one, it says this: The Lord said to Samuel, "How long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel." I wanted to stop there. The Lord comes to Samuel and says. How long are you going to continue crying, mourning, weeping? How long are you going to mourn over this rejection of King Saul? How long are you going to do this? In a sense, don't you think you've been mourning enough? Don't you think it's time to refocus yourself? Don't you think it's time to move on? Don't you think it's time to see things as I see them? How long, Samuel? Now, isn't this interesting? This is Samuel that the Lord is speaking to here. Samuel's a godly man. Everything that I have really, not everything, most everything that I've seen so far is just Wow, Samuel, you set a good example. I love this. But here, Samuel, we have this sense of, okay, he was human. He was a human being. And he kind of got focused on the wrong thing. He was focused on Saul. God had rejected him as king. And yet this bothered him we can easily put religious leaders up on a pedestal and and hold them too high. We, We shouldn't do that. We need to remember in this case that Samuel was a human being just like you and me. Now, I understand that for him to have conversation with God as he did was quite spectacular. I'm not downplaying that. But he was also a human being. And there were times where he saw things incorrectly and he got focused. He became focused on Saul. This also shows me that Samuel and Saul must have grown close together. I think there was this relationship that was developed and even though there's this part of I know that Saul is not the king Still, we read last week that there was this, well, Saul, if you would have followed the Lord, the Lord was going to use you. And so I think there was this part of Samuel that was longing for for Saul to get things right. Come on, Saul. And the Lord had to speak to him Samuel, how long are you going to mourn? My plan has not been thwarted by this. Come on, Samuel. Let's move on. So let's read on and move on ourselves here. God continues to speak to Samuel in the second part of verse 1. He says, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So he's saying, the Lord is saying, okay, Samuel, I want you to stop mourning because I'm going to send you on a mission. I want you to go and I want you actually to anoint someone as king, the the person of my choosing. I want to send you to, where was it? What what village or what town? Bethlehem. That's right. To Bethlehem. We recognize that, don't we? Oh little town of Bethlehem. Sorry. <laughs> try that. I won't even try that one again. Oh little town of Bethlehem. This is this is the same Bethlehem. God is, God is working here. I want to send you to Bethlehem. I want to send you to this little town, and and there's this indicator of I want you to go and I want you to find one of Jesse's sons and and you're going to anoint one of these sons as king. Again, I love how God does things, but if we get so stuck on our own perspective if we have such tunnel vision, we can't see what he's doing. God is choosing this little town. I want to send you to Bethlehem. I have my chosen one there. I want you to anoint someone over there, someone of my choosing over there. Step back. A thousand years and we see the perspective, the greater perspective of God. Where Jesus, the Messiah, comes from the lineage of David, born in Bethlehem. Again, if we have just tunnel vision, we get stuck. God, what are you doing here? God is working and God has this marvelous plan This marvelous plan that he's bringing to fruition here. Verse 2. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. (laughs) Saul is, if if I go, Saul is going to kill me. So I need to be really careful here that I don't overread or what I'm going to say. I want you to know that I'm saying carefully here. Because I'm reading in between the lines, but it really, what I gather is that Samuel really has this affection for Saul. You don't mourn for someone you don't care about. So he cares about Saul. And yet, what's going to happen? What is Samuel's concern? If he hears about it, I'm a dead man, he will kill me. Now, Samuel is old. Very old, but his concern is if Saul hears about this, he will kill me. And we might think, well, is is it just a figure of speech? I don't think so. I mean, I I know that we use this language as um, kind of figuratively. If you dare touch those chocolate chip cookies, I'll kill you, (laughs) right? You know, I'm not really going to kill them. It's just like you're dead meat. I think this is a lot more than that. You look at just the chapter before. You look at who Saul was. Saul was ready to kill his own son, Jonathan. They're in battle. Jonathan unknowingly takes some honey and eats it. But Saul has made this policy, this rule. You cannot eat and Jonathan unknowingly does. And, and the, the, the soldiers are like, oh no, you're going to die. And Saul was ready to take his own son's life. Well, if that's the case, so be it. I, what I'm getting at is I think that Samuel's being serious here. And if that's the case, then here's where I'm going with this. If you are in a relationship with someone where you cannot be who you truly are, That's unhealthy. That's unhealthy. I I, I think that Samuel, a good, godly man, was in this relationship with Saul where he feared that if I do what God wants me to do, that's not going to sit well with Saul. And I'm saying if that's the kind of relationship it is, that's an unhealthy relationship. But... And 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 please hear me on this. I am not suggesting that you can just go and live however you want. Like you can just go and live a sinful life. If that's the case, you need a friend who's going to call you out on it. You need a relationship where that person is going to call you out on it. But you know what? Sometimes we have relationships where we feel like, I cannot be authentic. I cannot say what I'm actually thinking Because if I say what I'm actually thinking, it will sour the relationship. Have you had a relationship like that before? I have. I have had a relationship where I have had to sugarcoat everything. I've had to think about how I say everything. Because if I know if I say it wrong, my superior will turn on me. That is unhealthy. I think that Samuel, as much as he cared for Saul, I think he had a relationship like this with Saul. He's gonna kill me. So what does the Lord tell Saul? Or what does the Lord tell Samuel? The second part of verse two, I know we're moving slow here, it will pick up. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Like if, if you do this, this is just going to make sense to Saul. I need to do this. I'm going to sacrifice to the Lord. And if you say this to, to Saul, the, Saul will understand this. So verse 3, invite Jesse to the sacrifice And I will show you what you are to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Interesting. I, I think that just the very presence of Samuel seems to be a commanding type of presence. Because he comes to these people, and what's the response, they trembled. They're trembling. Had they heard about what Samuel had done? Not too long ago? So if you look back at it, it's, it's gross, but I mean, Samuel just he, he takes King Agag and he kills him. Had they heard of his response? And were they trembling for that reason? Very possibly. Whatever it was, they see Samuel and they are afraid. Oh no, this, this could be terrible. And so their very first question is, do you come in peace or not? And, and how, does, how does Samuel respond? Verse 5, he says, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate for yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Huh, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel... Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen him either. Jesse then had Shema pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. Pause there. So I asked um, a few gentlemen to come up and help, and I'm coming up at this time here, all right. So the guys, um, but I'm going to have you hang on just a little bit here, okay, Zayden? I'm going to get to you, okay? All right, gentlemen, just come on up here, and if you would just kind of put yourself up here. This almost feels a little bit like Cinderella, all right? (laughs) It's almost like uh, trying to figure out, I've got a glass slipper here, and which foot does it fit on? All right, so I've got now... I have six guys here. Um, one of the guys had to had to back out, um, and it's been back and forth. But it, we're just going to assume that there's seven up here. Okay, so remember that that Samuel, as he's going, he he's first just kind of mourning, like there's this like ah mourning for for Saul. And the Lord says, almost in a sense, would you get over yourself? You know, would you get over yourself? Would you move on? Would you learn to see things as I see things? I have someone. I've chosen someone. I'll make this easy for you. Go to Bethlehem. I'll make this even easier for you. It's one of the boys of Jesse. I'll make this even easier for you. Samuel, I will tell you which one. And so... You know, so Samuel looks, and he sees them. And, and he kind of, his response, I think, is, I'm reading between the lines again, but I'm like, okay, I, I could, yeah. Oh, this is making sense. Yes, I mean, like, these guys look good. Wow, Lord, I, this this may, what? I mean, check that Ah, whoa. Oh, certainly it's it's yes it's gonna be one of these gentlemen here. I can see it. wow, I mean look at the height here. These are buff guys, macho. This is looking good. Yes, and and you know the very firstborn passes by, and okay, this this is it, right? I mean like like this he would make a good this good king. You know I mean like. Facial hair? No. Oh, <laughs> good. Nope. That's not him. You know. Well. Okay. Certainly, it's a, it's a Binadab. It's gonna. Nope. You know. And, and it's just through them all. And, and it's just no. Well, well which, I've already gone through them all. I have. I have looked at them all. And, and in this passage, we have these words here. Samuel, my vision is different than your vision. <laughs> you, in a sense, for me at least, Samuel, you're a godly guy. But even you're seeing this wrong. You need God's vision. You need to see things as God sees things. Because God's vision is different. It's different than your vision. God doesn't look at the outs on, on the, on the uh, outside. God is not impressed by the height of the man. God is not impressed by his phys- physique. You know, as Buff as Jesse's boys are. Wow! Yes! But no, God is not impressed by that. God is looking at the heart. God is after the heart. Samuel, you need to view this completely differently. And so, guys, stay up here a little bit longer. Thank you very much for doing this. <laughs> it, it continues. Verse 11. I, I love the question that Samuel asks. Hey, uh, Jesse, are, are you sure you don't have another kid? <laughs> like, are you sure you don't have another boy? Because, I mean, God told me that, that one of your boys is supposed to be king. And I went through each of these and each time, I, I was thinking, certainly, I mean, it's it's gonna be yes. And and God said no. And I was yes, no, it's gotta be. Oh come on, no, he's wearing a Batman sweatshirt. Nope, it's not him. You know, what I mean, just come on. <laughs> but but I went through all of them, and we're we're still. You God said no, so. Jesse, are you sure? Did you like forget? I mean, I know you got a lot of boys. Maybe you forgot that you have another one. And, and Jesse's response well, there is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending the sheep. Uh, I mean, he's like, he's, you know, smaller, a little bit scrawnier, and, uh, and, and he's just, he's the little guy. Now, when, if you were a sheep herder, that was kind of like the way of saying, like, this is not a very important position. Like, people of um, unimportance are the ones that tend the sheep. And, and so <laughs> there's, I think for Jesse, it'd be like, if you're after a king, I can guarantee it's probably not, not the youngest out in the field. Because that's like bottom of the, the, the totem pole. I mean, like that is like, and, and he's just a little kid. But Samuel, so he, um, Samuel said, uh, Jesse, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. We're just going to wait here. All right. We're just going to wait here until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy or ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise, anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power, Samuel went, then went to Ramah. The very first time we have the name David given, Zadan. come on up here. I asked Zadan, and I'm going to have you actually just, yeah, well, that's, yeah, right over here is, is perfect, all right? Um, I asked Zadan if he would help this morning. And he said yes, and then he got here this morning and he said, now what am I supposed to do? what is it I'm supposed to do like okay your your job is you're going to stand there, oh okay, I think I could do that, <laughs> and then Leah, of course, being the older sister, you want to go practice that <laughs> don't you love older siblings? so I think that you might actually understand what it's like to be David, you know because you've got older older siblings Um, and I told you that I'm not going to have you talk but um, maybe you understand like you've you've got a couple brothers actually up here on the end um, and they're really good guys right? yeah (laughs) Um, but they may have picked on you a few times before have they picked on you before? yeah Yeah. (laughs) you ever pick on them back? Yeah, <laughs> I, I've noticed that it works both ways. Because, see, in my family growing up, I was the oldest kid, and I did a lot of picking on my younger brothers. They they know it, but they also picked on me. And now, now that I'm like now that I'm the smallest in my family, see, there's hope. There's hope. Okay, <laughs> and and now it's like, oh, uh, sometimes what goes around comes around. So this this passage tells us that that uh, David was ruddy or ruddy. I didn't look it up to see, but I, I, did, I mean I know what it means. It means red. It means he was red. Are you red? Your cheeks getting red right now? Are you embarrassed? <laughs> I you know we don't really know exactly what made him red. <clears throat> it could have been that he was a redhead. Um, a lot of scholars actually say that David was probably a redhead. I don't know. You know, I was trying to figure out, like, with ethnicity and stuff, like, is it possible that he was a redhead? It's possible. It, it was a very much a rarity, but it's a rarity no matter what. The further north you go, uh, the more likely it is that you get a redhead. The further south you go, the, the less likely it is. Uh, but, you know, it still is possible that David was actually a redhead. Um, a number of scholars have said that he probably was redheaded. So maybe you're redheaded. Um, I, it also could be that, like, his skin was reddish, had a red tone to it. I don't know, and I don't think it matters a whole lot. But it's just fun to still hear that. Um, you know, when, when you hear, okay, so like this author is making the point, like this guy is red, <laughs> you know. But it also says that he's handsome. Zayden, you're handsome. You're a good looking dude. Um, this, now, I, I hope this doesn't come across as any kind of insult here to you. I don't mean it. I like you, Zayden. You're good friends with, um, with Carson, OK, so I need to come to our house often. But um, when it says that he was handsome, what it probably means is he was a cute little boy. Ah, <laughs> oh, he's, just, he's just a cute little boy. <laughs> you know, I mean, like when we hear handsome, we're like, oh, yeah, David, handsome man. I think the author is saying, yeah, but he's just a little cute little boy. He's not a king. He's just the cute little boy. God, you want to anoint him? God, you, you're going to use David to be the leader of all of us? God, what are you, what are you thinking I mean, God, you got, look at this, God, did you, can we, can we, can we like go through them again, God? (laughs) Right here. And God said, Samuel, anoint David. And that moment, the spirit of God descended on David in power. What an amazing passage. Again, God has vision that we often do not. God sees things that we often do not. And we have to learn to listen to God's voice, and we have to learn to see things as God sees them. You know, I've I've been pretty honest here with Samuel, but I want to also say this. There's something remarkable here that I love about Samuel, and it is this very thing right now. Samuel listened to the voice of God. Because while Samuel thought, this does not make sense, or God, I would like to tell you what I think makes sense. (laughs) Samuel listened to the voice of God. And because Samuel listened to the voice of God, he anointed David as king. And thank you. Gentlemen, thank you. You can all grab a seat now. Appreciate you guys doing that. This morning, as we conclude, well, <clears throat> briefly, let me just mention as the guys are heading back that the rest of the chapter, and I, I encourage you, if you're able, just maybe read these verses here today. But verses 14 through 23. Um, David did not go directly back to take kingship. Matter of fact, we're going to learn it's a long road to the throne. A very long road to the throne. But but God anointed him at that time. But God also needed to get David in the vicinity. And how does he do this? Well, we're told that Saul... Becomes really bothered by an evil spirit over and over again. And so they decided to seek someone who would play the harp. And I, I'm really fascinated that that in this case David is known. At least one of Saul's servants knew that David, this kid is able and skilled, able to play the harp. And so Saul says, well, bring him over here. And so how does God get David to the kingship? Well, if God needs to do something, anything is possible. You know, he can do it. And so if it's a harp, he'll use a harp. And in this case, it was a harp. He used the harp. In closing, I, I ask you this morning how well do you see? What kind of vision do you have? Do you have any tunnel vision? If you do, pray that the Spirit of God will take off the blinders. I think of a horse you know, that has the the blinders on it. That's for a reason. I believe that if you have blinders on this morning, God would like to take those off. And God wants you not just to see things however you want to see it, but to see things as God sees them. God, what are you doing right now? God, you are moving. How are you moving? God, we have an election coming up this week. There's going to be almost guaranteed turmoil in our country. It's just going to happen. There's no doubt probably going to be looting and protesting and vandalism. These are things that sicken me. But God, may I see from your perspective what you are doing. God, you have not stepped off the throne. You are still here. You are still sovereign. And if things begin to deteriorate in any, fa- in any way, or I should say if things continue to deteriorate because they've already begun, if things continue, then this does not catch you off guard. And things are falling apart on schedule. The pastor that I sat under for 17 years used to say that. And I remember those words. Take comfort. That when you feel like things are falling apart, everything is falling apart on schedule. There are no surprises for God. Surprises for us, but may we learn to see as God sees with His eyes. God is moving, God is working, God longs to know the heart. God longs to know your heart. God is unimpressed by how we adorn our bodies. He wants to know what's going on inside of us. Lord God, may we see with your vision. God, remind us that you are working behind the scenes. May we do the best we can to not fret. I confess that so often I worry. I grow overly concerned. But Lord, you have never lost control. God, you are trustworthy, you are good. You are going to accomplish your purpose. And just as you accomplished your purpose in this text that we just looked at 3,000 years ago, Lord God, you continue to accomplish your purpose today. Remind us of that and may we trust in that. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.